I'm your host, Matt Prater. Today we're talking with Adrian Ross, who's an Indigenous musician from Australia. Welcome, Adrian. How are you today? G'day, Matt. Now, mate, you've been travelling around the world a bit, doing all sorts of conferences. Tell us about your recent travels. What have you been up to? Uh, well, just been over to um, Dallas to, um, to do the uh, United Christian Broadcasting conference yep. throughout the world there and uh, television and radio. So that was interesting. And uh, New Zealand? You've been in New Zealand too? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, flew back home, couldn't get a connecting flight, had to fly all the way back to Australia and then fly back to um, New Zealand. <laughs> okay, well, now tell us the Adrian Ross story. Where did you grow up? How did it all begin? Uh, grew up in a little town called Zinaloquin. Grew up on a mission, actually. And um, uh, and from that we went to the Salvation Army Church and uh, that's where the, the guys from the Salvos used to come along and chuck about 15 kids in the car and take us off to Sunday school. And so there was a couple of loads that used to rock up there and... We thought it was great. And uh, did, you, did you play a musical instrument at that church? I did play trumpet, and that's where I learnt my music. And um, so I'm um, very blessed to have that opportunity to actually uh, to play a musical instrument, such as, you know, brass instruments. Now, many people listening probably don't realise it, but they would have seen you perform somewhere on the telly at some stage. Tell us some of the major events that you've played the didgeridoo at. Ah, um, there's the Olympic game. Uh, soccer opening in Melbourne, MCG, uh, NRL Grand Final, uh, school spec over the last few years, um, Christmas pageants, just um, things like that that are that come around once in a blue moon, and um, and obviously still travel around the countryside. Fantastic! And you've done four CDs now. What's your latest one that you've released? Uh, it's called Shake a Leg, mm-hmm. and. Um, and that you could take that two ways. You can either shake a leg and dance or you can shake a leg and get things going. That's good to hear. And do you sing on the CDs as well? Um, I actually did one one song, and that was the album before this one, and um, I was a little bit shy in doing it because uh, I always hide behind that stick, the didgeridoo, and uh, I feel a lot more comfortable behind that. Didn't you do a rap song on Bridge the Gap? I did. I actually took that off and um, and replaced it with something else. But with saying that, with, with all the um, hip-hop and rave sort of stuff, um, it's still in the back of the mind to actually to uh, rebirth it and uh, produce it again in a different style. Okay, so you grew up in the Salvation Army Church, yep. learnt, learnt the trumpet there. Um, when did you uh, become a Christian? Tell us how that happened. Um, I think I just grew into it, and it was a part of our life, the whole church culture and uh, Salvation Army, and um, basically didn't leave the faith, and and because we had a mother that was strong as well, and uh, if being a Christian was an example um, uh, through my mother while she was it. I've heard it said before that for some people becoming a Christian is, you know, you can remember the time that you first prayed and there was a definite moment, or there are some people it's like when you crossing the, the border between New South Wales and Queensland, you can be on the train going over and you, you look around and you go, oh, I'm in Queensland suddenly. You don't realise it, you know? Yeah. So for you, was it a gradual thing? Or? I suppose, you know, you, you grow up as a Christian and uh, I, I suppose the turning point was was when I was 17 and I left school and um, mum said to me one day and, and wanted to have a bit of a yarn or a conversation with us and uh, basically said to us, uh, son... I want you to think about your life in another 10, 20, 30 years' time and uh, see where you'll be at in life and not just life but um, as a young man of God. And I suppose at 17 that, that really hit home and, um, 
And because when you're 17, you just want to do what every other 17-year-old is doing in a little country town called Denaliquin. Now, um, tell us what it's like growing up being an Aboriginal or Indigenous in Australia. Did you ever come across racism? Oh, you always come, come across it. And I suppose having buffy hair like I do have, it sort of stands out. It's like the fro, uh, isn't it? Yeah, oh, like... mate. Well, everyone reckons um, that guy Sebastian created the fro, but, mate, I had this 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that rhymes, I'm showing my age. <laughs> I, um, um, yeah, and and sometimes they're subtle and sometimes they're just, just blatant, outright, you know, just rudeness. And, and I, I think basically it comes out of fear as well. Um, there's been a few times you walk into a cafe or a restaurant and ladies pick their handbags up and put it on their laps and when you come into their presence and all that sort of stuff. So, And it's not me that actually says anything. It's actually my um, non-Indigenous friends that see it and just just are really surprised by it. And, and I just say to them, well, you know, I live with this. Now, I've always been curious. I've heard this, the stories of creation from an Aboriginal point of view. Yep. Um, about the rainbow serpent. How do you as a Christian reconcile that story to the Bible with Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? Well, the serpent isn't from our area, um, so um, you've got to remember that there's over 500 different tribes in Australia and about 300 different dialects. So, so even for us to play didgeridoo is not a traditional instrument where I come from. Um, so, you know, I had a few hurdles to jump, um, even just playing didgeridoo as a even as an Indigenous person, where the Ditrudu doesn't come from. Um, but to answer your question, um, it's pretty easy for a lot of Indigenous people to to understand the Gospel, especially Genesis, and um, there's quite a few things in the Bible that they can relate to. And, and I think no matter what culture you're in, if you can connect with something that they can um, actually see and understand, well, then the Gospel becomes a lot, lot clearer to them. Now... I don't see much racism in my generation, but I often talk to my grandpa or, you know, people in the older generation, and there was, you know, some horrific stories of racism uh, when they grew up, uh, you know, the stolen generation. For me as a Christian, I hate that stuff. I think, you know, we're all... DC talked to the song, We're Coloured People. Um, we're all painted, you know, and it's a beautiful canvas that God's created, you know. Yeah. But what would you say to anyone that's listening at the moment that might have a grudge against Aboriginals or might tarnish you all with the same paintbrush. What would you say to them today? Um, everyone's different. And you've got to remember as well that, that um, and I suppose in your grandparents' um, uh, lifetime, that, that it was a, was a different time as well. Um, and just, just the whole assimilation policy was, was in your grandparents' time. And it was the, the uh, assimilation policy finished in 1976. So when you look at those things like that, um, and when you look at that, Generation, you can understand um, some of their their thought patterns and things like that. Um, it, where even where I come from, the last um, lot of kids that were taken away was in the early eighties. So, so you know, it wasn't a long, long time ago. It was it was even in my lifetime. So, when you look at things like that, you 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 can understand that from from uh, I suppose from an indigenous perspective that they it, it's still fresh in their mind. Um, and then when you cross over to the non-Indigenous um, um, aspect of things, um, especially when they haven't been exposed to it, and, um, and of course, during 1990 to 2000, we, we, all of a sudden 
the the Australian community as a whole got thrown thrown all this stuff as far as reconciling with our Indigenous people. And realistically, our history was an untold thing. And um, I suppose during that time, there was there was a lot of things that were thrown around that that um, I was probably sat under the surface of things. Um, and in many ways, it was a good thing, and um, which which meant that I, I suppose any part of healing and any part of that process, there's going to be a pain attached to that. And um, and the more that it's spoken about, the more the more understanding there is um, from both sides, from an indigenous perspective and a, and a non-indigenous perspective. Mm. And, and and I think that's a god thing as well. And and is to understand the past and understand the healing process, and not having anyone to walk through that alone. And so it just means, um, you know, people being around those and understanding that process. Uh, and tell us about your involvement in your local church. Do, do you go to church at the Sunshine Coast? I do go to church on the Sunshine Coast, but I'm, I'm also involved with um, the uh, Sunshine Coast Indigenous Community, where I'm chair of one of the one of the organisations up there, and we're basically getting involved with um, with things in the community where where I believe it's a great missions field to to actually work with with our guys that that are unchurched and uh, and, and I think uh, the more we come creative in in our um, aspects of um, sharing the gospel, and especially when you're dealing with people that are hurting, we've got a great little organisation up there where where we're actually doing that and um, and, and rubbing shoulders um, with movers and shakers and it's actually great to actually be in that situation. You talk about reaching out to the Indigenous community, you talk about um, sharing the gospel and, and um, you know speaking out. There might be people listening right now uh, that are thinking, okay, this guy uh, is, a, is a musician, he's, he's Indigenous, he's got some great stories to tell today. Uh, I'm kind of curious about his Christian faith. What would your advice be to them about how they would become a Christian? Um, I would find something that they would connect with in the conversation. Um, for instance, there's there's some businessmen in Sydney that I know of that aren't Christians, and they would bag me for going to church and you know giving ten percent and all that sort of stuff. And yet, at this function, they were you know throwing thousands of dollars into this auction to raise money for an organisation and sitting down with them and, and after they bagged me about giving 10%, just let them know that what they've just done is a godly principle and it's no different from going to church. So, you know, you, you just got to think of creative ways to actually to actually um, have that opportunity to, to speak into people's lives. Now, you travel a lot. You perform at a lot of concerts all around the world. How important is your prayer life to you on the road? Um, it, it is absolutely important, but um, as important as uh, communicating with your wife and your, and your kids when you're on the road too and, um, um, and just being in contact with them totally And uh, because sometimes when, when you're on the road, you know, um, need the accountability sort of stuff. Um, I do have some mates that actually ring us up as well and ask me, what are you doing, where you at? Who you with, all that sort of stuff, and, and all those things are important in the fact of prayer life as well. And what about the Bible? Do you you like that book? It's a good one. You know, would you recommend it to anyone? Mate, absolutely. And there's something in there for everyone. And um, and, and just you know, looking in in the Bible for things that that each Indigenous group can actually connect with. And um, Job thirty three 
um, verse 4 is one for me, and, and it just simply says, you know, the Spirit of God has made us, and it's the breath of the Almighty who gives life. And, you know, for me to play that instrument, I need to put breath into that thing. Um, Job chapter 12, verses 7 to 13, speaks about the earth and the birds and the animals and, and how God ordained all these things to actually um, to show us the signs and things like that. And not only that, is to show that, hey, look, if I can do this, how much more greater am I to you? It's good news. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you've been on the road a bit and you have some stories to tell. Is there any funny stories you want to tell about... Things happen on the stage or on the road? No, oh, mate, there's always funny things and um might need to censor it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, there's there's always things that are happening and um, um, I suppose the funniest thing was um, being down in Adelaide and being introduced and walking out on the stage and and um, didn't realise there was a couple of levels and then I belly flop onto, onto the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, everyone sort of stood up with fright to see what was happening. Um, I was at a concert where someone decided to put a jug on and it was on the same um, power source as the lights and so everything just died <laughs> and that was the end of the concert. <laughs> so that was quite funny. Yeah. And now you play the didge, but do you also play the uh, vacuum cleaner? Have I seen you with one of those? No, mate, I tell you what, that's, that's not a, I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a bit of a... I mean, can you imagine... You know, vacuuming your dirty carpet up and then going blowing raspberries in it. <laughs> <laughs> now, how does it work? The circular breathing, that's quite a technique, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you're basically doing four things at once. So when you hear a didgeridoo player play well, he's actually, you know, buzzing with his lips. He's actually doing rhythm with his tongue, vocals with his voice, and uh, circular breathing. So th those things... Uh, working together um, creates a nice little sound. And um, mind you, too, Matt, don't ever let a woman say that a man can't do more than one thing at once. <laughs> That's very good. I like that. How's that? <laughs> uh, now, I always like to ask guests when we, when we wrap up, uh, is there another scripture or a story or anything on your heart at the moment that you feel like you want to share with us? Uh, open mic time. What do you got for us, Adrian? <laughs> There's something to be said about the long stayers. And um, when you rub shoulders with the guys that have been there for a long time, um, that have pioneered things, um, such as the Garretts from New Zealand, such as, you know, the Steve Abaranas, he's, he's still out there after accidents, and and all these guys that have been there for 30 or 40 years, like the Tim Edwardses and the Uncle Peter Walkers and all those Indigenous guys that have been ministers for years. There's something to be said about that. And... Um, and I'm sure that many of those guys would have had knocks and had downers. And and just to see them out there sustaining the same thing year out and um, um, is something to be said. And, and I've seen so many people over the years that, you know, want to be rock and roll, legendary gospel artists and, and burn out after two years. And uh, and to stay there for a long time is... is um, you got to look at it and just go, yep, they're doing something right. And obviously God has blessed them in that. You certainly are a history maker, Adrian. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Matt. Bless you, mate. You too. History. If you'd like to find out more information about History Makers, just go to historymakersradio.com. You can download interviews, support the ministry, and have a look at links to plenty of great websites. Thanks for joining us this week on History Makers. History Makers.